All right, well, it's good to see you here tonight. I'm so glad that you came back, if you were here last week, uh, to hear part two of Wanted, Dead and Alive. And uh, my scripture last week, I'll read it again, was, Therefore I urge you, brothers, this is Romans 12, 1, I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. And last week I covered uh, five different things that the Christian is dead to. And I just want to quickly recap those for those that maybe weren't here and those that were here uh, and you maybe didn't get them all, then this will be a review for you. You know, I, I am uh, I'm extremely humbled that, that I can even, uh, that, that anyone would even listen to what I have to say. Okay, I, I'm, I'm very humbled by that. And, and the fact that, that I had someone come up to me Sunday morning and said, I missed one of the points. That we got, uh, my wife and I were talking about them and we had this one and this one, and this one, this one. But we, there was one other one, the fifth one. I couldn't remember what it was. And so I shared it with him. He goes, oh yeah, that's right. And, and I, I mean, I was very humbled that, that anyone would even pay any attention, but I appreciate you being here tonight and listening. Um, whenever uh, whenever I, I, I speak, you know, I, I've been a Christian for a long time and I've taught a lot of Sunday school classes. I've, all my life I've taught Sunday school classes really since I was about 17 years old. And uh, uh, I read a lot. I, I study God's Word a lot. I read the Word a lot. I read a lot of other books. I listen to a lot of uh, different podcasts of different people. Uh, of course, I hear Pastor Temple every week uh, here. Uh, in our, our connect group, I get to meet with a lot of people that, that have a lot of good things to say. And so whenever I'm, I'm listening and I'm reading and I'm, 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 God begins to show me things and, or, you know, and say, hey, this is important. And, you know, do you understand this? And so then I start searching it out and researching it. And, and it usually ends up being some kind of a, of a, of a message. Uh, and this particular one was wanted dead and alive. Uh, it's none of us are really speaking things that are um, haven't been said before. Uh, you, you've probably heard all of these scriptures before. You've probably heard these points before uh, in some fashion or other. And so I just want you to know that, that it, it is a humbling experience to be able to share with you God's word. And, and truly God does want us to be both dead and alive. And when I talk about being dead, uh, there were uh, five things. One is that we are dead to the world. And uh, Paul said that, that, that he died and was crucified to the world, the world's interest, and the world's interests were, were dead in him. So being dead to the world simply means that we have no interest in the affairs of the world system, especially when those systems are opposed to God. So we're dead to the world and to the world's spirit. We're also dead to sin. Uh, we have died to sin because we have an identification now with Jesus Christ. That is our identification with the death of Christ. So we're dead to sin. Uh, and because we are dead to sin, we, sin no longer has a power over us. Uh, and so it's, and as I said last week, it's time that we quit giving life to something that is dead. And, and that's very important. Also, the third thing is that the old man or the old sinful self. Now, you could say number two, three, and four, the old man, the old sinful self, sin, and then number four, the flesh, 
are, are kind of all the same thing, but I like to, to separate them out. We're, we're dead to the old man. Uh, and, and when Jesus died on the cross, he quit breathing. He ceased to be alive. And when he died on the cross, our old man died with him. And uh, Jesus quit breathing. Our old sinful nature quit breathing. And when Jesus ceased to be alive, our old sinful nature ceased to be alive. So it's time that we quit giving life to something that is dead. Also, we, we're, we're dead to the flesh. Uh, uh, we're dead to the flesh because we have crucified the flesh, Galatians 5, 24. And so again, I say, stop bringing life, dead flesh back to life. Stop trying to bring dead flesh back, back to life. And the last thing that we're dead to is the law. And, uh, and what, what Paul was trying to say is he said, you know, when I try to keep the law, it, it condemned me. So I died to the law and I stopped trying to meet its requirements. And there were several things that the law represents. I'm not going to go into all those. Uh, you can go on to bcchoctaw.org and there's a podcast there and you can listen to it. And I may put the notes up on there also. Uh, so, you know, every day we're to become more like Christ. And every day, right up until that glorious and wonderful day where we see Jesus face to face and we'll see him and we'll be like him because why we will see him as he is that's going to be a wonderful day and 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 that's going to be the day that we finally are just like Christ but up until that time we are to live like Christ and to to uh every day uh understand that God has declared that we are dead to these things the world sin the old man the flesh and the law so let's stop trying to give them life so let's talk, I want to talk this evening, rest of this evening about what the Christian is alive to. So if we're dead to these things, then we are alive to other things. Now for us to understand what it means that, that Christ is our life and what the Christian is alive to, we first have to understand the relationship between humanity, mankind, and Christ. And to, but to understand that relationship... We have to understand the relationship between God the Father and God the Son. Now, I want to, uh, we're going to go back to eternity past and we're going to look at the Godhead and specifically we're going to look at how God the Father and God the Son had a relationship. So I have several passages of Scripture here. There's about six. And, and, and you can follow along with me. Most of them are in John. So you can just stay right there in John. The, other, the, the last one's going to be in 2 Peter. But let's start with John 1.1. 1, 1. These are either going to be the words of John the Beloved who's writing this book, this gospel, or the words of Jesus. And here's what John says. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Now, the word here is Christ, because he goes on down in verse 14. He said, and the word was made flesh and he dwelt among us. So he's talking about Jesus. So in the beginning was Jesus and Jesus was with God and Jesus was God. Very important. John 1:18, he says this, he declares this about Jesus. No one has ever seen God, but God, the one and only talking about Jesus who is at the Father's side, has made him known. So he's saying that, that from, from the beginning of time, God the Father and God the Son has had this relationship and that God the Son, Jesus, has made God the Father known to us. 
Turn over to John 17. We're going to look at, uh, skip around there in verses 4 and 5, and then we'll skip down to verse 24. John 17, verse 4 and 5. These are the words of Jesus. He says, I have brought, he's talking to God. He said, I have brought you glory, Father, on earth by completing the work you gave me to do. So he said, Father, I've brought you and given you glory on this earth because I've done what you have given me to do. I love verse five. And now, Father, glorify me in your presence with the glory I had with you before the world began. Before anything, before God ever said, let us do this, before Genesis 1-1, Jesus had glory and had a relationship with God the Father. Very unique. Verse 24, he says, Father, I want those you have given me to be with me where I am and to see my glory, the glory you have given me because why you loved me when? Before the creation of the world. God loved Jesus. God the Father loved God the Son before the creation of the world, before you were ever created, before this earth was ever created, before this universe was ever created, before anything was created, and there was only God, God loved the Son. God the Father loved God the Son. Turn back to John 15, verses 1 and verse 5. Jesus says this, I am the true vine, and my Father is the gardener. Verse 5, I am the vine, you are the branches. If a man remains in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. Get this. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Okay? We think we're all this and that. Apart from Christ, you and I can do nothing. Very important. Turn back to John 6. Let's look at verse 57 and 58. It's what Jesus says, just as the living father sent me and I live because of the father. So the one who feeds on me will live because of me. This is the bread that came down from heaven. Your forefathers ate manna and died, but he who feeds on this bread will live forever. Okay. He, he, Jesus is saying that, that my life, I get it from the Father. And you know what? Your life, you get it from me. And the last passage I want to read is in 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 4. Peter says this, Through these he has given us his very great and precious promises, so that through them, listen to this, you may participate in the divine nature and escape the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. Before anything was ever created, there was a divine relationship between God the Father and God the Son. Jesus informs us that God the Father was everything to God the Son. And God the Son drew everything from God the Father. Jesus said, I live because of the Father. My very existence is because of the Father. 
God the Son found God the Father to be his very life source, his very existence, his very being. He says, I live because of the Father. Without the Father, the Son had no life, no energy, no existence. They were, these two were so united that they functioned as one and, and he drew everything from his Father. God the Father was pouring out his life into the Son and the Son was living by that life. The Father and Son were so perfectly in tune, perfectly united. One didn't act without the other knowing it and confirming it. This was a pure, loving relationship. It is the highest relationship that ever existed was this relationship between the Father and the Son, God the Father and God the Son. And the Holy Spirit was the life and the love and the glory that flowed between them, between the Father and the Son. Can you see this glorious and, and magnificence uh, and the magnificence of this Godhead or of the Godhead? Words actually defy trying to explain it. I can't even understand it. I'm doing my best. I, 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 I listened to a podcast by Frank Viola and he, it's called The First Relationship and he tries his best to explain this. This is where I got this concept was from that. And it's very, very deep to understand this relationship between God the Father and God the Son. This relationship was so awesome. It was so holy and so pure that when God created this earth, he even put within the earth a picture of that relationship. And that picture is found in the tree and a branch. Okay? It's a picture of the relationship between the branch and a tree. The branch, you get in your mind a tree with a branch sticking out of it. The branch draws all its existence, all its life, all its strength from the tree. The two are so unified that you might say, well, the branch ends right there. But no, it goes into the tree. It's inside the tree, in the trunk of the tree. They're so unified, you can't tell where the branch ends and where the tree begins or where the tree ends and the branch begins, I'm the vine, you're the branches. They're distinct, but not separate. You can tell it is a branch, but it's attached and into the tree. The branch is so unified in the tree that if you try to take it out, if you go over there with a saw and you cut the branch off, what happens? What happens? It dies. Jesus says, I am the branch, or I am the vine, you are the branches. So in eternity past, the Godhead decided to take this beautiful relationship between God the Father and God the Son and, and expand on that relationship and that fellowship. And God wanted to open up this relationship and this fellowship and invite another being into this glorious life relationship that he and the Son had together. So God purposed that he would expand the fellowship of God the Son and Holy Spirit into a, to a creature that didn't even exist yet. 
Because this relationship existed before any of creation. It didn't mean that this being would be divine, but it, that this being would participate in the divine nature. And just as the son drew everything from the father, this new creature, this new being was going to draw everything from the son. And just as the father loved the son and the son, the father, they would love this new creature, this new creation, this new being. God desired the same relationship that he had with the son to be moved to another being. The question became, what creature will get the honor of participating in this life relationship? You see, God is spirit So this creature had to have a spiritual capacity. It had to be living. It had to be physical and a visible being. So let's look at creation. What's the first thing God created? Light, water, rocks, minerals. Do they meet the requirement? They're physical. They're not alive. They're not living. They're visible, but they have no spirit. So no, rocks weren't it. What about plants and vegetation? They're living. They have no spirit. What about the animals, the fish and the birds? They have life, but again, no spirit. Angels have a life consciousness and a spirit, but they're not visible. So we get down to Genesis 2, 7. We get down to Genesis 2. And the Lord God formed the man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And the man became a living being. Humanity is the only part of God's creation that qualifies to participate in this relationship. That's you. You see, God breathed his spirit into man and man became this living soul, this living being that had God's spirit in him. Humanity has the breath of life in them and it came from God. So how does God communicate this relationship to humanity and allow humanity to enter into this glorious relationship? Well, God moved the relationship from the divine realm where where that before any creation, it was just God the Father and God the Son and the Holy Spirit. He moved this divine relationship into an earthly realm, into an earthly uh, area, but it remained unchanged in God's plan. God brought it to the earthly realm and he did it through the man, Jesus of Nazareth. As the Father loved Jesus, Jesus loved us. Back over in, in John, and we're going to come back to Genesis in just a minute, so you might mark it. Back over in John 15, verses uh, 9. I'm going to read some selected verses here. It says, as the Father has loved me. Okay, so he, he's, he's, he's relating this, how that God the Father loved God the Son. Jesus says, as the Father has loved me, that same love, that God had for his son, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. 
If you obey my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have obeyed my Father's commands and remain in his love. I have told you this, that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. My command is this, love each other as I've loved you. So, wow, now, now he, the, the, the demand is that just as God loved the, the Son and the Son has loved us, he's saying, I want you to, just the same love to love other people. Greater love has no man than this, than he laid down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants because a servant doesn't know what his master's business is. Instead, I have called you friends for everything that I learned from my father. I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you to go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. Then the father will give you whatever you ask my name. This is my command. Love each other. So the, the father has sent me. I live by the Father is what Jesus says. The Father has loved me and I loved the Father. Jesus lived by the life of the Father. The only thing that changed in this relationship is that it was moved from the divine realm to the earthly realm. And he made that relationship visible to all of creation. God showed Adam how to be in this relationship. It wasn't through servitude to God. It wasn't through obeying hundreds of, of uh, commands. It wasn't through, uh, when I say these things, don't, don't throw tomatoes at me or anything. It wasn't through uh, every day reading the word of God or every day uh, praying. It, it, what, God didn't have this relationship with Adam through any of that. Okay. And we'll, I, those are noble things and they're good things and they're great things and I do them. But those are disciplines that help us to become more Christ-like. But God brought this relationship to Adam through the tree of life. Genesis 2, verses 8 and 9. Eight and nine. Now the Lord God had planted in the garden in the east in Eden. And there he put the man that he had formed. And the Lord God made all kinds of trees grow out of the ground. Trees that were pleasing to the eye and good for food. In the middle of the garden, there were the tree of life and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. So Adam had a choice. He could participate in this divine life, the highest life, the real life, or he could choose another way. God told Adam to eat of the tree because God's life was in the tree. And if Adam partook of the fruit of this tree, then he would have God's life. Look on down in verse 15, uh, verse 15 through 17. The Lord God took the man and he put him in the garden of Eden to work it and to take care of it. And the Lord God commanded the man, you are free to eat from any tree in the garden, but you must not eat of the tree from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. For when you do eat of it, you will surely die. He was free to eat of the tree of life. And what, if he's going to eat of the tree of knowledge of good and evil and he's going to die, if he eats of the tree of life, what is, what is he going to do? Huh? He's going to live. He's going to have God's life. He's not going to be God, but he's going to have God's life. Unfortunately for us and all of humanity and for Adam, he made the wrong choice. He picked the wrong tree and he was banished from the tree of life. Look on over in Genesis chapter 3, verses 
22. And the Lord God said, the man has now become like one of us, only in this, not in that they have God's life, only in the sense that they know good and evil. Okay. Knowing good and evil. He must not be allowed to reach out his hand to take also from the tree of life and eat and live forever. So God said that he's become like one of us, not in the sense that they have God's life, but that they know good and evil. So the Lord God banished him from the garden of Eden to work the ground from which he had been taken. After he drove the man out, he placed on the east side of the garden of Eden cherubim and a flaming sword flashing back and forth to guard the way to the tree of life. How sad. He was banished from the tree of life and death came upon him. But thanks be to God that in the fullness of time, a new tree of life reappeared. Okay? Reappeared in the person of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Turn over to Galatians chapter 4. Galatians 4, verse 4. But when the time had fully come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under law, to redeem those under law that we might receive the full rights of sons. Because you are sons, God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, the spirit who calls out, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but a son. And since you are a son, God has also made you an heir. Praise God. When the fullness of time came, the tree of life reappeared in the person of Jesus Christ. He says, I am the vine. You are the branches. You eat of me, you'll live forever. What did he tell the woman at the well? He said, you drink of this water, you'll thirst again. You drink of my water, you'll never thirst again. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who feeds on me will have life. He who eats and drinks the sun will have life. Jesus is begging us, partake of me. I am the tree of life. God's eternal purpose is to expand the Godhead and make it visible. And he's done this through the church, through the body of Christ. So here's what we're alive to. I have uh, five things that we're alive to. Some of them are so obvious that, that anybody can see them. I have one eye. So obvious I can only see if I close, <laughs> I can still see it. Okay, we are alive to God. So obvious. We're alive to God. Why? Because we have the life of God. We who also are, uh, we are also alive to God through Jesus Christ, is what Romans 6.11 says. Our life and our existence with God comes through Christ. Without Christ, humans do have an earthly existence. They are biologically alive, but they aren't spiritually alive. They're spiritually dead. 1 Corinthians 2, 12 through 14 in the New Living Translation says this, and we have received God's spirit, in other words, not the world's spirit, so we can know the wonderful things God has freely given us. When we tell you these things, we do not use words that come from human wisdom. Instead, we speak words given to us by the spirit, using the spirit's words to explain spiritual truths. But people who aren't spiritual 
can't receive these truths from God's spirit. It all sounds foolish to them and they can't understand it for only those who are spiritual can understand what the spirit means. We are alive to God because he has put his spirit and his life in us. And here's the great thing. Every human being has that capacity. It's not excluded to anybody. Everybody can have that. God says, let whoever will come. So we are alive to God because God has breathed his life into us. We have his spirit in us. We also are alive to Christ. First Corinthians 15, 22 says, for as in Adam all die, even so in Christ, praise God shall all be made alive. We're all alive in Christ. We are alive to Christ because it is Christ that lives in us and gives us our life. Galatians 2.20. I read this last week. I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Colossians 3, 4. Colossians 2, 13, the New Living Translation says, you were dead because of your sins and because your sinful nature was not yet cut away. Then God made you alive with Christ for he forgave all our sins. Why are we alive with Christ? Because he's forgiven us of our sins. That makes us alive in him. So we're alive to God. We're alive to Christ. We're alive to the spirit. Since we live in the spirit, Galatians 5.25 says, let us also walk in the spirit. We are alive to the spirit because God's spirit lives in us and he dwells in us. Since we are living by the spirit, we should follow the spirits leading in every part of our lives. Listen to God's spirit as he directs and leads you. Because we are alive to the Spirit, we will produce a fruit of the Spirit. It is a fruit of love. It is a fruit of joy and peace and long-suffering and gentleness and goodness and meekness and temperance and faith. If there's other fruit that's coming out of your life, how alive are you walking or how much in the Spirit are you walking? John 15, 8, 9, and 26, uh, I'm skipping around there, says, when you produce much fruit, you are my true disciples. This brings great glory to my Father. When you produce a lot of love, a lot of joy, a lot of peace, a lot of long-suffering, a lot of gentleness, meekness, and temperance, and faith, not anger, and hatred, and emulation, and strife. Those are all works of the flesh. When you walk in the Spirit, you will produce these other, this fruit of the Spirit, and it says, this brings great joy, to glory to my Father. You want to bring glory to God? Then all you got to do is live in love, and joy, and peace, and long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, and temperance, faith. I have loved you even as the Father has loved me. Remain in my love, but I will send you the advocate, the, fruit, the spirit of truth. He will come to you from the Father and will testify all about me. God has sent his Holy Spirit. He dwells and is alive in those who belong to God. 
Romans 8, 9 and 10 says, but you are not controlled by your sinful nature. You are controlled by the spirit. If you have the spirit of God living in you. And remember that those who do not have the spirit of Christ living in them do not belong to him at all. And Christ lives within you. Even, so even though your body will die because of sin, the spirit gives you life because you have been made right with God. That brings us to the fourth thing that we're alive to. And that is we are alive to, to righteousness. Since we have died to sin, we should now live for righteousness is what 1 Peter 2, 24 says. What does that mean? Well, this is the condition through which we are made right with God. And it comes through Christ. Uh, 2 Corinthians 5, 21. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. God, Christ lives within you, even though your body will die because of sin, the spirit will give you life because you've been made right with God. So we are alive to righteousness. And we are also alive to faith. Romans 1, 17 says, for therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, the just shall live by faith. You live by faith. Just as God the Son's life came through God the Father, our life comes through God the Son. John says in, in 1 John four nineteen, he says, In this was manifested the love of God towards us, because that God sent his only begotten Son into the world, that we might live through him. Paul said, For me to live is Christ and to die is gain. You and I are able to live this Christ life not because of your strength, not because of your ability, not because you follow a set of rules, not because you're a very disciplined person, not because you obey hundreds of laws and commands, not because you read your Bible every day, not because you pray every day, not because you go to Sunday school or not because you teach Sunday school or not because I stand here in front of you preaching this word. None of that helps us, gives us this life. 2 Corinthians chapter 13. We can only live this life because we have the tree of life, Jesus, from which to partake. We have this life of God because just as God the Father had a relationship with God the Son and God the Son drew his life from God the Father, we have that same relationship and draw our life from the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. 2 Corinthians 13, 4 says, For to be sure, he was crucified in weakness, yet he lives by God's power. Likewise, we are weak in him. Yet by God's power, we will live with him to serve you. 
the, the New Living Translation reads it this way. It says it this way. Although he was crucified in weakness, he now lives by the power of God. We too are weak, just as Christ was. But when we deal with you, we will be alive with him and we will have God's power. You can't do it. I can't do it. It's only through God's power that we can do it. Paul told the Romans in Romans 14, 8, For whether we live, we live unto the Lord. And whether we die, we die unto the Lord. Therefore, we live, whether we live, therefore, or die, we are the Lord's. Are you experiencing the Christ life? Are you alive to the things that God says he wants you to be alive to? Is Christ everything to you? If he isn't, he can be. Would you stand with me? And I, I just want to make a, a, a... And I don't know where, where, where you are. I mean, everybody knows where they are with God. But here, here's what I'd like to do. If you are still struggling with trying to bring life back to the things that God says you're dead to, the world, sin, the flesh, the old man, okay, the law. And I want to ask you to uh, come forward this, this evening and, and we'll pray with you. If you are, have never experienced the Christ life, if you've never been in this loving relationship with Christ, where the, the Jesus says, just as the Father loved me, I've loved you, and you're to love other people. If love is not dominating and ruling your life, I mean, I'm not, I'm not saying lip service love. I'm talking about deep, compassionate, God-like love. If it's not the number one thing in your life, I want you to come forward. I'm going to be here praying for myself. God, as I pray this prayer, I pray that, that anyone in this congregation that has never experienced the love of God through the life of Christ, I pray that they would come right now. Lord, I pray that anyone who's still trying to give life back to the dead things that your word has declared were dead to, the world, the law, sin, the flesh, the old man, whatever we want to call it, I pray, God, that they would come forward right now in Jesus' name and that they would be free from that and experience the true love that God has for them. Lord, I just thank you for your word. It is so, it's so wonderful, God. And I know that, and I'm very humbled, Lord, that, that uh, I get a chance to, to share it. And I pray, God, that, that I've shared it with, with clarity and with understanding. Lord, I pray that your Holy Spirit would do the job of, of, of convicting, Lord, and enlightening our hearts to let us know where that we can make changes. God, and that we will live in the fruit of the Spirit. Lord, I thank you for your blessings. Lord, I thank you for all that you're doing in my life. God, forgive me, Lord, for the times that, that I've not loved like you love. And that is how we are to love. Not just a lip service word that we say it. But Lord, we do it with truth and sincerity. 
and it's your kind of love. Help us all to live that. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.